Section 17 of Mark Twain's Autobiography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by John Greenman. Tuesday, February 20th, 1906. About Rear Admiral Wilkes and meeting Mr. Anson Burlingame in Honolulu. Mrs. Mary Wilkes dead. Florence, Italy, February 19th. Mrs. Mary Wilkes, widow of Rear Admiral Wilkes, U.S. Navy, is dead, aged 85. It is death notices like this that enable me to realize in some sort how long I have lived. They drive away the haze from my life's road and give me glimpses of the beginning of it glimpses of things which seem incredibly remote. When I was a boy of ten in that village on the Mississippi River, which at that time was so incalculably far from any place, and is now so near to all places, the name of Wilkes, the explorer, was in everybody's mouth, just as Roosevelt's is today. What a noise it made, and how wonderful the glory! How far away and how silent it is now, and the glory has faded to tradition. Wilkes had discovered a new world, and was another Columbus. That world afterward turned mainly to ice and snow, but it was not all ice and snow and in our late day we are rediscovering it, and the world's interest in it has revived. Wilkes was a marvel in another way, for he had gone wandering about the globe in his ships, and had looked with his own eyes upon its furthest corners, its dreamlands, names and places which existed rather as shadows and rumors than as realities. But everybody visits those places now, in outings and summer excursions, and no fame is to be gotten out of it. One of the last visits I made in Florence, this was two years ago, was to Mrs. Wilkes. She had sent and asked me to come, and it seemed a chapter out of the romantic and the impossible that I should be looking upon the gentle face of the sharer in that long-forgotten glory. We talked of the common things of the day, but my mind was not present. It was wandering among the snowstorms and the ice flows and the fogs and mysteries of the Antarctic with this patriarchal lady's young husband. Nothing remarkable was said, nothing remarkable happened, yet a visit has seldom impressed me so much as did this one. Here is a pleasant and welcome letter which plunges me back into the antiquities again. Knollwood, Westfield, New Jersey, February 17, 1906. My dear Mr. Clemens, I should like to tell you how much I thank you for an article which you wrote once, long ago, 1870 or 71, about my grandfather, Anson Burlingame. 
in looking over the interesting family papers and letters which have come into my possession this winter nothing has impressed me more deeply than your tribute i have read it again and again i found it pasted into a scrapbook and apparently it was cut from a newspaper it is signed with your name it seems to bring before one more clearly than anything i have been told or read my grandfather's personality and achievements family traditions grow less and less in the telling young children are so impatient of anecdotes and when they grow old enough to understand their value frequent repetitions as well as newer interests and associations seem to have dulled not the memory but the spontaneity and joy of telling about the old days so unless there is something written and preserved how much is lost to children of the good deeds of their fathers perhaps it will give you a little pleasure to know that after all these years the words you wrote about a good man and a very very great man have fallen into the heart of one to whom his fame is very near and precious you say mr burlingame's short history for he was only forty-seven reads like a fairy tale its successes its surprises its happy situations occur all along and each new episode is always an improvement upon the one which went before it that seems to have been very true and it is interesting to hear although it has the sad ring of destiny but how shall i ever thank you for words like these he was a true man a just man a generous man in all his ways and by all his instincts a noble man a man of great brain a broad and deep and mighty thinker he was a great man a very very great man he was imperially endowed by nature he was faithfully befriended by circumstances and he wrought gallantly always in whatever station he found himself how indeed shall i thank you for these words or tell you how deeply they have touched me and how truly i shall endeavor to teach them to my children that your name may be as sacred as this is my earnest grateful wish not wholly the inevitable imperishable fame that is laid down for you but the sweet and precious fame to your family and friends forever of the fair attributes you ascribe to my grandfather which could never have been discerned by one who was not like him in spirit with the hope sometime of knowing you yours sincerely jean burlingame beatty mrs robert chetwood beatty this carries me back forty years to my first meeting with that wise and just and humane and charming man and great citizen and diplomat anson burlingame 
it was in honolulu he had arrived in his ship on his way out on his great mission to china and i had the honor and profit of his society daily and constantly during many days he was a handsome and stately and courtly and graceful creature in the prime of his perfect manhood and it was a contenting pleasure to look at him his outlook upon the world and its affairs was as wide as the horizon and his speech was of dignity and eloquence proper to it it dealt in no commonplaces for he had no commonplace thoughts he was a kindly man and most lovable he was not a petty politician but a great and magnanimous statesman he did not serve his country alone but china as well he held the balances even he wrought for justice and humanity all his ways were clean all his motives were high and fine he had beautiful eyes deep eyes speaking eyes eyes that were dreamy in repose eyes that could beam and persuade like a lover's eyes that could blast when his temper was up i judge preston s brooks the congressional bully found this out in his day no doubt brooks had bullied everybody insulted everybody challenged everybody cowed everybody and was cock of the walk in washington but when he challenged the new young congressman from the west he found a prompt and ardent man at last burlingame chose rifles at short range and brooks apologized and retired from his bullyship with the laughter of the nation ringing in his ears when mr burlingame arrived at honolulu i had been confined to my room a couple of weeks by night to my bed by day to a splint bottom chair deep sunk like a basket there was another chair but i preferred this one because my malady was saddle boils when the boatload of skeletons arrived after forty-three days in an open boat on ten days provisions survivors of the clipper hornet which had perished by fire several thousand miles away it was necessary for me to interview them for the sacramento union a journal which i had been commissioned to represent in the sandwich islands for a matter of five or six months mr burlingame put me on a cot and had me carried to the hospital and during several hours he questioned the skeletons and i set down the answers in my notebook it took me all night to write out my narrative of the hornet disaster and but i will go no further with the subject now i have already told the rest in some book of mine mr burlingame gave me some advice one day which i have never forgotten and which i have lived by for forty years he said in substance 
avoid inferiors seek your comradeships among your superiors in intellect and character always climb mr burlingame's son now editor of scribner's magazine these many years and soon to reach the foothills that lie near the frontiers of age was with him there in honolulu a handsome boy of nineteen and overflowing with animation activity energy and the pure joy of being alive he attended balls and fandangos and hula hulas every night anybody's brown half white white and he could dance all night and be as fresh as ever the next afternoon one day he delighted me with a joke which i afterward used in a lecture in san francisco and from there it traveled all around in the newspapers he said if a man compel thee to go with him a mile go with him twain when it was new it seemed exceedingly happy and bright but it has been emptied upon me upward of several million times since never by a witty and engaging lad like burlingame but always by chuckleheads of base degree who did it with offensive eagerness and with the conviction that they were the first in the field and so it has finally lost its sparkle and bravery and is become to me a seedy and repulsive tramp whose proper place is in the hospital for the decayed the friendless and the forlorn end of section seventeen tuesday february twentieth nineteen o six